It is great to see you here today for this time of worship and for this very, very special day of uh, the hanging of the greenery, the hanging of the green. I said something about hanging the greens, and somebody said, wasn't that a, you know, a, a pirate that we're hanging? But no, never mind. Uh, but it's the greenery, and glad that you're here to be a part of that. Um, we appreciate all, that, all those who are stepping up to bat today and helping us with this in various parts of the service. Um, it certainly will be a, a meaningful time for us. I want to remind you that next Sunday morning, um, our children will be leading the service. There'll be a musical presentation featuring our elementary and our preschool choirs. Uh, uh, Kelly and Jessica have been working on this uh, the two choirs all fall, and we look forward to that uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, there will be the usual children's Christmas party uh, next Sunday at 6 p.m., and tonight is the last night of practice for the children um, before their performance, and that's at 6 o'clock tonight. We do want to make sure that they will be present for that rehearsal. Uh, we had a question among us uh, for Beverly Davis. Are you taking the kids out today? Okay, okay. We weren't sure by the, about that since this is a fifth Sunday. But you'll, so later during the service, when you see uh, Beverly get up uh, to head to the door, children that want to go to the library uh, will be able to do so uh, with her at that time. Okay. We are glad to have you here. If you're worshiping with us as a visitor, we do uh, hope that you'll come back to worship with us on, on many, many future occasions. We're grateful that you're here, and you're always welcome to be a part of what we're doing here uh, at Memorial Church. Let us now begin our time to get, oops, whoops, one more thing. I almost forgot, very important moment. Um, Keith um, Clark, who is the chairperson of our Staff Parish Relations Committee is coming now to make an announcement. Good morning. After several years of service, which greatly assisted our children's ministry with significant growth, the Staff Parish Relations Committee was notified this week that Lee Radline desires to resign her position as Director of Children and Family Ministries. This will become effective the end of November. Please express your appreciation to Lee for her leadership and in this position to the successes achieved from where our program was when she began. Also welcome Lee as she transitions back from staff to a layperson here at Memorial United Methodist Church. We look forward to many years of worship and service together. Information will be forthcoming from Staff Parish Relations Committee outlining the pursuit of filling this director's position. But in the interim, volunteers will be even more important. Sunday school teachers for the children's ages are in good shape through the first quarter of next year. But assistance is needed now in the 11 a.m. nursery. Council on Ministries will be active in ensuring our needs are met. Again, please thank Lee for improving our children's programs and serving service to our church. As the pastor already mentioned, the, the happy birthday uh, Jesus party will still be going forward next Sunday night. Thank you. 
and we appreciate the hard work of the Staff Parish Relations Committee as well. Let us now begin our time. Oh, yes, uh, see that hand. Uh, the flowers today, I did forget that note. They are from Harriet uh, Thompson, but I, I forget the occasion. In honor of the pastor and the choir and the congregation. Very good. It's been a crazy morning. I forgot. My, I think I brought my sermon down here. I'm not sure, but uh, thank you so very much. Let us now worship our Lord. I invite you to join and follow along as we begin our service in the bulletin and invite you to stand as we begin. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the king? How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the eternal Christ? How shall we prepare this house for the coming of our Savior? With wreaths of folly and ivy, telling of his passion, death, and resurrection. How shall we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Son of God? By hearing again the words of the prophets, who foretold the saving work of God. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Glory to God. Be seated, please.
God will, send, God will send a righteous king. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord of Righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as the tree of royalty. It also signified immortality and was used for purification. We place the cedar branch as a sign of Christ who reigns as king forever and whose coming in justice and righteousness will purify our hearts. child will be born. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And his name, he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season, the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever. Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah. Therefore, we hang this wreath of evergreen shaped in a circle, which itself has no end, to signify the eternal reign of Jesus the Christ. from Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the sufferings of Jesus who saved us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, holly and ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. Their prickly leaves suggested the crown of thorns, the red berries, the blood of the Savior, and the bitter bark, the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the holly and ivy, let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus, our Savior.
mysteries of incarnation. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came into being through him, and without him no one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into, came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the chrismon tree. During this Advent, whenever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to mind the one who brings light to our darkness, healing to our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Holy Lord, we come with joy to celebrate
and Harriet Johnson, along with our acolytes, will now come to help us in the lighting of the Advent wreath. Isaiah 60, verses 2 and 3, the prophet said, For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Now let us worship God by giving.
be seated, please. <clears throat> First, a great big thank you to Mary Lee, who is our chairperson of worship, who arranged all the participants this morning in this beautiful service uh, and walked them through the various things that needed to be done. And I, I thank her very much. And also to all of you that participated in the beautiful service, we thank you for your willingness to do so. As children get older, they will have more and more parts, and so I can hardly uh, wait for a little Culberson young lady, Sarah, to, to tell us what it was she wanted to say so badly this morning. <clears throat> she really wanted to say something, so we'll just have to wait until she can read, I guess. But the children's uh, participation was uh, certainly so very meaningful, and we're grateful for all of you. Here now our lesson for the day from Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. Jesus is speaking. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is cunning, coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you will be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Here ends the lesson. One of the things that I find myself really enjoying at this time in my life is mulling over a passage of scripture in preparation for the sermons every week. Now, sermon writing can always become somewhat of a chore at times, but there was a time when that's mainly what it was for me was a chore. But I have to tell you now, preparing a sermon is something I am thoroughly enjoying. I begin by reading the passage for the next Sunday, and as I do, usually a word or a phrase or something there stands out in my mind as something that I haven't looked at in the past like I should have. It reaches out and grabs me, and I have to see why, and then I have the challenge of trying to make it say something to you all as well. Such was the case this past week. I had never before noticed these words from Jesus. Be careful 
or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. What in the world does it mean to have one's heart weighed down with dissipation? And if you get dissipated, would a dose of Metamucil fix you? So dissipation is the word for this week. Each week as we begin the Advent season, the gospel lesson is some passage that deals with what we commonly refer to as the second coming. Jesus and his disciples were at the temple admiring the beauty of that structure when Jesus said that a time was coming when the, when the temple would be destroyed in such a way that one rock would not be left on top, on top of another. Uh, the disciples, of course, wanted to know when this would be. Jesus answered in such a way that his words found fulfillment in the siege and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by the Romans who came in and just destroyed everything. Historian of that era, a man named Josephus, stated that 1.1 million Jews were slain by the Romans during that time and that another 97,000 of them were put into prison, making this indeed a first century holocaust in every sense of the word. Jesus spoke about the time following the destruction of the temple as a time when Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles. And he said that sometime after all this destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and sometime after this trotting down period, there would come a time of great anguish upon the nations of the earth, complete with cosmic signs in the skies and a surging of the seas here on earth. That's when the Son of Man is coming, Jesus said, so take heart, look up, for your redemption is getting closer. Well, I'm almost hesitant to talk about this passage of Scripture right now, but I thought about it this week and thought, well, maybe I should. Because, you see, there are many pastors who never speak about anything except the second coming, and they preach it in a way that sounds like it's going to happen any day now, and that's been the style of preaching in that particular group of churches since about 1850. A uh, long time that this has been their main emphasis. We do seem to live in an apocalyptic time in human history when things seem to be ripe for something to happen. The return of Jesus, perhaps. Herman Van Rompuy, I think is how you say his name, is the new head of the European Union and some folks are already calling him the Antichrist. I heard that definitive word the other day at the Waffle House, so you know it must be true. <laughs> the fact that the Mayan calendar ends in 2012 has many people as afraid as they were back when Y2K was being talked about as we were about to turn a millennium and wondered, we wondered what might happen when that happened, when that date approached. Never mind the fact that the Mayan civilization died off so very suddenly that they didn't have time to add another year to their calendar, there must be some other significant reason for their destruction, uh, other than their destruction, rather, for the ending of their calendar. 
Experts say that there was something about the election of the first African-American president of the United States that seemed to rattle a lot of people. Since his election, gun sales have risen right through the roof. It is apparent to me that lots of folks who claim in God we trust seem to trust more in Smith and Wesson. Maybe if our new president's name had been a bit more American sounding, sounding you know, something like Herr Eisenhower or Spiro T. Agnew, pardon my facetiousness there, and the last sign of the soon-coming apocalypse happened just last week. Oprah quit. Well, if you're almost frozen by end-time fears, let me give you the point of view from an old man who this next year will be turning 60. We've lived in apocalyptic, fearful times my whole life. I don't remember any time that wasn't like this. I was born during the Korean War, and I graduated from high school during the Vietnam War. I was just 12 years old when John F. Kennedy called out the Russians for putting nuclear warheads in Cuba and aiming them at us. One of your, of your former pastors, Joel Cannon, my uncle, was in Charleston that year, and his family lived in fear that Charleston was going to be one of the points of attack from those missiles in Cuba. Do you all remember all the bomb shelters that people put in their backyards back in the 60s? There's a preacher here in, Gre in uh, Greenville that I know, a Methodist preacher, who has a bomb shelter in his backyard. And I told him after I heard him preach, he might want to keep it handy. He may need it one day. Do people my age remember being in elementary school when we had atomic bomb drills? Oh, we had fire drills too, but there would be a warning buzzer and we children would practice crawling up underneath our desks and putting our heads between our knees. And oh, you don't look out the window because there might be an atomic blast that would blind you. I was just 13 when President Kennedy was assassinated. And I was in high school when the old South died and our schools, hospitals, and restaurants became fully racially integrated. There were those people that saw civil rights for minorities and equal rights for women as sure signs of the coming, of the soon coming of Christ. The Cold War between communist Russia and the free world began before I was born, and it didn't end until I was 40 years old, if in fact, it ended then, and I'm not sure. You see, my friends, the world has been about to blow itself up and end my whole life. Maybe that's why I'm not very fearful of this current time that we live in. It seems like life always has been for me. I'm not afraid of the age that we live in. However, I am becoming a bit apprehensive about the age I am becoming and the number of candles that are appearing on my birthday cake. Did you know that last year on my birthday we lit the candles on my cake and my backdoor neighbor, Marnie Hannon, called the fire department? He said he thought that the house was on fire or else the sun was coming up in my den. We do live in uh, uh, frightening times right now. And I'm sure that if with God's help we get through these difficult days, 
and we manage to live in some relative peace, you can be sure that there will be some other disturbances in years to come, in 2030, 2040, and beyond. Of this I am sure, the world will not end, nor will Jesus return until God says it's time, until God intends for those things to happen. But while I would not have you paralyzed in fear as we race toward 2012 and beyond, neither would I want you to make the opposite mistake and think that from what I'm saying today that Jesus is never going to return and that you live like Jesus is never going to return. A time is coming, my friends, when Jesus will return. And he himself urged us to remember this every day that we live. Being aware of his coming affects how we live every day. Specifically, he said he did not want us to fall victim to dissipation. There's that word again. What does that mean? The Greek word that is translated dissipation means indulging in extravagant, intemperate, or promiscuous pleasure. Along with drunkenness and worry, dissipation is something that Jesus said might weigh us down. The English word for dissipation is also helpful, I think. For in English, dissipation is a process in which energy is used or lost without any useful work being accomplished. Let me repeat that. Dissipation is a process in which energy is used or lost without accomplishing useful work. It's spinning our wheels but going nowhere. It's wasting our time in meaningless or degrading activities when the time could be better used helping somebody or in personal growth. Methodist bishops ask a historic question of pastors being ordained. And all of these pastors that are here today heard this, this question at the time of their ordination. It dated back to John Wesley formulating this question uh, himself. Will you observe the following directions? Be diligent. Never trifle away time. Neither spend any more time at one place than is strictly necessary. Be punctual. Do everything at the time. Do not mend our rules, but keep them, not for wrath, but for conscience' sake. Wesley was concerned that we pastors might become dissipated, that our energies would be used or lost without any useful work being accomplished for God's kingdom. Every year after Christmas is over, I look back at the season feeling that I have crowded so many things into my December calendar, including shopping and decorating, that I really haven't had time to stop and think about the real meaning of Christmas. To a certain degree, the Christmas season is something that dissipates the real meaning of Christmas for me. If Jesus were to return during the Advent season, I might just be too busy to see what was going on at first. Worry weighs us down too, doesn't it? Worry makes me spin my wheels more than any other emotion. 
I spend huge amounts of mental and emotional energy worrying about things that never come to pass. And while I am worrying about tomorrow, I miss the chance to live today. Worry might serve a purpose if it causes me to make constructive plans for tomorrow, but wringing my hands never accomplished much for me. It is dissipation. Reverend Arthur F. Hebeler of the Lutheran Church of the Abiding Presence up in Maryland sees something different in Jesus' words regarding drunkenness. Of course, there's the usual meaning, but Reverend Hebeler says that some people get drunk not on liquid substances, but on a thirst for power, wealth, and prestige. They become addicted to gaining more and more power over others and more and more wealth, while meanwhile people are starving for love and attention and the good news of the gospel. I know that our nation has a terrific problem right now with illegal aliens, and I know that something must be done about this problem. But someday God is not going to ask me why I didn't secure our borders. He is going to ask us why we didn't use the flood of immigrants into our country as opportunities to spread the good news about Jesus. He will ask us why we didn't do more to make sure that our illegal alien brothers and sisters come to know Jesus as Savior. And why were we more concerned with keeping them out of the country than getting them into heaven? That's what God's going to ask us about. Sometimes we're dissipated by forgetting what our main job as Christians on this earth is to be doing. Reverend Hebeler concludes, God has set out a plan for us and the road map is fairly straightforward. Don't get drunk with power or the things that make up the secular world or a consumer-driven secular lifestyle. Don't waste energy on details that don't move the kingdom of God forward. And don't worry about the small stuff that makes up everyday life because there's no way to get out of life alive. Dissipation, drunkenness, and worry weigh us down. If our hearts are weighed down by these things, we might find ourselves caught in the trap of unexpectedness when the time comes for the world to pass away. Advent comes around each year, calling us to examine our lives to see if we're living them as God has called us to do. The prospect of the end of the world and the return of Christ should be good news to us who believe in Christ. We're not supposed to be frightened by this prospect. If we are, then maybe we need to examine why. What changes do we need to make in order to be excited about the return of Jesus, perhaps in our lifetimes? Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible known as The Message, dutifully captures the spirit of Jesus' words when he translates it this way. And then... Then they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, 
Stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. But be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by the parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise. Spring on you suddenly like a trap, for it's going to come on everyone everywhere at once. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and to end up on your feet before the Son of Man. Amen. Thank you.